tap it in. Welcome back, everyone, to the Big Players Only Podcast, a partner of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network. We are the best place to catch up on golf from around the world, including the golf of your favorite big players, Ben, Josh, Tyler, Tully, Colin, and Kenny Oneput. We'll take a look at golf from this past week, which included wins for Rory McIlroy, Lydia Ko, and Lexi Thompson. Rory regains his number one spot on top of the official World Golf Ranking Points system. Let's go, Rory. Amongst some minimal yet valid Twitter chatter about how some of the best golfers on live haven't been receiving world ranking points for weeks and months and some of them for most of the year. So we'll chat a little bit about that. We'll also take a look back at this past year, who we thought the comeback player of the year was on the PGA Tour, and then we'll look forward to the 2022-23 season and who we think might be the comeback player of the year this year. Make sure to head over to our Instagram and follow us at BigPlayersOnlyPod. Thanks, everyone, for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed the episode. All right, the 2022-2023 season gets started off. Our first real big event, the CJ Cup. Our boy Rory McIlroy wins. He regains his number one world ranking in the overall world golf ranking system. Rom was in the field. Let's look at this leaderboard. So we had Rory winning, Kurt Kitayama in a close second, KH Lee, John Rom, Tommy Fleetwood, Aaron Wise, Brendan Todd, Sam Burns, Billy Horschel, Jason Day, Matt Fitzpatrick. Some pretty good names on that leaderboard. Happy to see Rory get back to number one. Pretty emotional in his press conference after. And I think he's worked really hard over the past 12 months, like he said. You know, he gets married, has a kid. Lots of big life things changed for Rory in the past few years. He kind of, he didn't fall off the map. He was still at his lowest world number nine over the past few years. So not that bad, but for Rory's standards, pretty, pretty, pretty low on the rankings. So what are you guys' thoughts on the tournament this past weekend and Rory regaining his number one world ranking? Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying I called it as one to look at. You did. going to do it, but I think it was exciting to see him kind of, like, stay hot, you know, keep rolling there. Uh, I mean, it, when Rory's good at golf, I mean, it, in playing well, it's great for the sport, and obviously, you know, at this controversial time, and it's it's great for the PGA Tour to see Rory, you know, performing well and being up at the top of the leaderboard. Well, and a pretty good leaderboard to win for. I mean, John Rahm on his heels pretty much all day. He ends up bogeying 17 and 18 to only win by one, so a three-shot lead coming down the stretch. Rory led the field in strokes gained, tee to green like usual. Everything about his game looks pretty darn solid. I mean, once again, I think he's he's got this really aggressive approach with his driver, but he's also hitting the ball really straight and, and not afraid to work the ball left or right or right, or le- right to left. So he's playing that fade when the hole's a little tight and then the big high draw when he wants to pick up a few yards. And he's not killing himself on the greens. I think that's been his M.O. for a long time now. If he can putt well, you know he's going to be up there and have a chance to win. Yeah, he's a horrible putter. Great lag putter, yeah. though. Well, I think it's, a those, lot of lags it's, it's those putts inside 10 feet that he's he's historically, like, I'm a huge Rory fan, but I think, what? I think he's a great putter inside of 10 feet when he's on, but when he's not, it can look pretty bad, right? Kind of like maybe, maybe Phil in his prime, right? Phil was one of those guys, kind of like Jordan Spieth, where he could just make putts from 40 feet like it was nothing, but then all of a sudden you get a three-footer and you start shaking a little bit for Phil. Yeah, he kind of ran away with it a little bit, I think, during the back nine. I think we picked up coverage with four or five holes left. Would have liked to have seen... Like, going into the day, Rom one stroke back, a couple other guys, like, would have liked to have seen kind of a duel going on, but Roy definitely ran away with it and could kind of coast in, bogey-bogey finish and still win. But still a, an impressive leaderboard, an impressive event. I mean, this is the first time they've had it here. It seemed to show pretty well in the, the little coverage that I caught of it. 
You know what I didn't know? So this is Congaree where they held the Palmetto Championship last year where Garrick Higo won. I didn't realize that that was going to be a one-off event. It was a replacement for the RBC Heritage because it was in Canada and they didn't want to hold it because of COVID. So I don't know if Congaree is going to continue to be in the rotation. Maybe that CJ Cup kind of stays here for a little while. I'd like to see it, right? This course was created in like 2017 and only has a few members. It's what it's owned and run by Bob McNair, the owner of the Texans. Or the, is he the current owner or the old owner? Anyway, he has a lot of money, a ton of money. And, and I would ask you read an article where like nobody's actually a member here. Everyone's like an associate or an affiliate or whatever. And this course has a really interesting mission, although it's like a club full of millionaires and billionaires. It actually has like a really good mission about trying to help educate the youth and, and kind of increase the the level of living around the area where it is. So I hope that this course stays in the rotation, but I don't know if it'll be the CJ cup or another event. Yeah. And last event was in the middle of the summer. I think this course normally closes during that, that heat down there in the South. So it didn't show too well. The fall is the perfect time for a course like this. It looked really nice. Would love to see it in a rotation going forward. Like you said, you know, I saw some interesting comments I'd like to ask you guys about. So, you know, as we're in the fall swing here and we got a tournament coming up this week, the Butterfield Bermuda Championship, where the top player is, is Nick Hardy, a guy who might be outside the top 50 in the world rankings. You know, someone made a comment about how it's going to be tough going forward with Liv and PGA competing to each other with each other. Is it a good idea maybe for the PGA to concede the fall to Liv if Liv could operate on a schedule that, that pretty much goes – October through January, could we? Could that be a, an efficient world and where we could support both tours? You give Greg Norman an inch, he's going to take a mile. I don't think you can do it. I think the PGA Tour players might prefer that, but I think it's going to just it allows them to kind of capture that audience and then kind of expand, expand. I don't think they're. I think they. I think Liv would fully embrace. Oh, we're going to ha- put you know golf in the forefront. You'll know, be all over the place during that stretch, but then they would continue to you know interfere, quote-unquote, with the PGA Tour schedule. I don't think Norman would let it happen with his guys. I think he'd want to still do it the whole year. I, I think kind of where you were going with it was maybe it's like an XFL-NFL thing where they don't run concurrently, and it's like the XFL is there to kind of support the NFL. But Norman <laughs> said time and time again that's not what he wants Liv to be. He wants to be a competitive league with uh, the PGA, so I, I just don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, and the, the strategy of their schedule really rounding into form here this week. They have their – what's their final event called? Their championship. Their championship down in Doral. Going to be probably a fun event, you know, for, for what they are. And they're going against the Butterfield Bermuda Championship with nobody playing. So they're going to smash the PGA Tour as far as product this weekend, I would say. Like 20,000 views to 15,000? <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Hot. I mean, as much as you might or might not like live, it's like we're probably headed toward a world where both these things can survive. So it's like, does the PGA need to make concessions to just try and preserve its good events versus, you know, live competing with, uh, you know, a Valspar, a Valspar championship, which is at a great course in Innisbrook. And although it might not bring them any eyeballs, it's still a really a hallmark event for the PGA Tour. Well, it feels like they've kind of already done that with making all the elevated events and all that kind of stuff. They have basically conceded that our top players are going to be playing at these 20 events or whatever it is. I mean, I got to assume most of the, you know, top 20, 30 guys probably aren't going to be playing and, you know, filling in a lot of extra spots on their schedules other than those 20 events. You know, I think what Rory only played this past year, like 16 events or something like that anyways. So he's already playing more than we're used to seeing, you know, or committing to playing more. So I doubt, I think they've already 
you know, gone that route anyways. It's like a quiet concession where they're just saying, right, we have these weeks that we know, even though they're not our majors, they're not our hallmark events, they're going to be our weeks where we are the premier golf tour in the world. And then the other weeks maybe where, yeah, Bermuda Championship, nobody's going to watch that probably, but it's still like an important event for our players and our community. And then we know that eyeballs are going to be on live. I like that. I agree with that. Yeah, and, and I I wouldn't mind seeing the PJ Tour consider kind of punting this fall season and give the players some time off. Stop trying to compete against the NFL, which they're not going to be able to do. And, you know, we saw Max Homa come out this week. He's like, I'm taking some time off. Like, I am so worn down. We have such a busy schedule, and there's really no time off in there. So, you know, absence, absence makes absence? the heart grow fonder. So if we had four absence. months with no – yeah, so does absence. If we had four <laughs> months with no golf, we'd be ready to go come January in the start of the season with, with some time off. Yeah, but I don't think the PGA Tour would ever do that because if you think about it, right now is when that young talent is coming in. They just got through um, the Corn Ferry Tour finals. They're now have all their tour cards are coming in. They're playing all these first couple of events. You talk about, was it Justin Sue, I think, who dominated the end of the Corn Ferry Tour season. He's You know he's coming in. He's playing all these tournaments right now trying to get his first win under his belt, qualify for Tournament of Champions, and start the next year off right. I agree with that. So I think I think they kind of are headed in that direction where they know there are events that just aren't that premier. They're probably going to lose some viewership to live, but they know how important it is, right, to their rookies, to their faithful. I mean, even though we might not be tuning into this one, we definitely tuned into the CJ Cup, and we'll tune into the other tournaments here late in the season. I mean, even like the Safeway is usually a fun event. Like the course is great out in California, so I agree with that. Do we have any comments on the fact that Rory gets to world number one and we haven't seen the likes of DJ or Bryson for longer periods, Brooks Kepka for long periods, but then even like Cam Smith, we haven't, he hasn't gotten world ranking points in the past couple months or month and a half. Is there an asterisk next to Rory's world number one or are we just, is that ship sailing? Um, I'm on the side there's no asterisk on it because he, you can't deny that he has been playing well. Like, yeah, he didn't win, you know, the Open champion, Championship, for example, but he, he competed. He was, what, to end up tied for third or something like that. You know, he's been playing really good golf regardless. And, you know, you can't scoff at, you know, the other guys he still had to pass. You know, he had to pass Scotty Scheffler, who had arguably one of the best years we've seen in the last decade, you know, this year. And, you know, he managed to surpass him despite that success. So I mean, it's I I get it. I see the the point, and I, I do. I wish those guys were competing. Yes, but I think you know, Rory. No one can really say Rory isn't the number one golfer from a skill set alone. Yeah, I mean, you toss the OWGR aside, you know, for whatever that's worth. Who's the best player in the world right now? It's Rory. I, I don't really think that's a discussion as well as he's been playing. Although Cam Smith could. I, I think right you there. could make an argument he's kind of been a big letdown in some of the majors this year, but, you know, that's kind of what he's turning towards his focus next year to kind of, you know, avenge and come back and, and break that drought for majors. But he's playing the best right now, so number one in the world seems fitting. I know datagolf.com is creating its own kind of hybrid ranking system where it's giving some ranking points of sorts to people that played and live and won. Uh, but, you know, at what time is the overall world golf ranking just going to kind of feel obsolete? We're only really six to eight months into this live thing. So even though, you know, DJ's still, I think, in the top 30 maybe, even though he hasn't played on the PGA Tour since like the Masters probably. What, at what point is the world golf ranking system so skewed by the live guys not getting points that it becomes, you know, you get to world number five, it's almost like, is it real? Yeah, but at the same time, I guess, at what point do you, do? are people going to stop really caring about those guys if they're not in the limelight? You know, you talked about 
oh, maybe seceding or you know giving the you know some weeks or whatever to live golf, but they're still just on YouTube. That's the only way to watch. But I feel like they're still missing so much viewership. Where at some point the buzz might start to wear off unless they kind of write that ship and get someone to put it on mainstream television. You know, I, I think you're just going to stop really caring or hearing about these guys. Yeah, I don't know if the conversation really resonates here for Rory because you're right. Rory's been the best player in the world for the last six months. Scotty for the first half of the year, and then Rory's really turned the Jets on. But I don't know. Next year, Colin Morikawa turns it on, wins two majors and two other events, and he ascends to world number one. It's going to probably feel like, does this really, you know, the world golf rankings are going to be obsolete because it's like we wouldn't have known what Bryson or DJ or Brooks or Cam would have done over those 12 months. Well, you could say that about anything. You know, Tiger doesn't play 90% of events because he can't walk, whatever. But, you know, like if he was out there and, you know, would he be competing and, you know, causing any issues just from the mental side of things, he's going to, you know, cause people to collapse. You know, there's plenty of golfers out there that, you know, might fall into that range that they just choose not to play as much. I just think if we have these live guys win a couple majors next year, this world golf ranking system is going to feel so incorrect. Okay. Sure, if they're winning majors, but who knows if they're even going to be playing. Yeah, that's a good point. They're going to have to shake some rust off in order to do that because they're just not playing enough right now. Yeah, they have to play that fourth round. It's brutal. It's exhausting. (laughs) So in other news, Lydia Ko and Lexi Thompson get wins this week. Good for the women's game. Big names. Our girl Lydia Ko is a student of Sean Foley who we'll have on the podcast here in November. We're really excited about that one. Now let's get to our big segment this week. We're going to talk about the comeback player of the year. This isn't a, a... an award they don't give out anymore in 2012. The Comeback Player of the Year award, tr- award transitioned into the Courage Award. Kind of took on a life of its own. It's presented to a person who, through courage and perseverance, has overcome extraordinary adversity and personal tragedy. So it's a little different. We don't have a, a Comeback Player of the Year in 2022. So we're going to say, who is your Comeback Player of the Year in 2022? And then we'll talk about who we think the Comeback Player of the Year might be for this season as well. So, yeah, for 2022, I think I might have a little bit of recency bias, but it's a name we all know, um, a name we haven't said a lot recently, but uh, Keegan Bradley. I think we could. We were all pretty happy when we saw him get that win recently, and that's a guy I feel like everyone's always rooting for, and I, I don't think this is a year where you've seen many guys come back from uh, one- to two-year absence with the injury or anything like that, but I think Keegan's a good guy to represent that award. And a guy who's been playing a lot, it's not like he took a couple-year hiatus. You're right, his game just kind of trended in the wrong direction. Right, last week we saw Keegan uh, win, and then I think throughout this year we saw him contend at a couple majors. I like that I like that pick a lot. For me, I had, um, I had said that Rory could be the comeback player of the year. I think he fits the mold, a guy that, although he only went from number nine in the world to number one in the world, not a huge number jump. <laughs> Rory had had a bad few years where he really wasn't playing the elite golf that he was. But I'm not going to pick Rory. I'm actually going to go a little bit outside the box here and say Morgan Hoffman, a guy who we hadn't seen in a few years, was going to lose his tour card. Probably is still fighting for it now. He doesn't have full status. But Wright had that muscular dystrophy in his pec, had to quit golf. He was the number one amateur in the world in 2009, spent five, six years on the tour, had a couple top threes, a couple top twos, never got his win uh, but then had to step away from the game because his muscular dystrophy got so bad. Takes a couple years off, comes back, makes a couple cuts. You know, the guy looks like he's really still got the game. Really short off the tee, you can tell. Like, I don't know if it's the muscular dystrophy or maybe being out of the gym for a while. He's probably 20, 30 yards behind tour average. But his irons, his short game, I mean, he made a couple cuts. I'm telling you, I think I can't imagine 
uh, even if you're a pro, taking a few years off of the game and then just coming back and just making cuts seems like such a feat in itself. Yeah, I mean, I love that pick. I, I think it's been one of my favorite stories from the past years, the Morgan Hoffman thing. I know I've brought it up a couple times. And uh, I think it's going to be, it's a shame we won't get to see him as much. And, like, unfortunately, realistically, I don't think he's going to be a guy that could compete in, like, a major because of that that distance thing. But hopefully we get to see him, you know, maybe at some of these lesser-known events where the, the field is a little less overpowering from, like, a distance standpoint. We can see him maybe, you know, get some of those top tens kind of round into form. Yeah, I wouldn't put it out of question for Morgan Hoffman to, to win a PGA Tour event before he retires. I mean, he's got plenty of game. We'll see how he comes back. One more I wanted to note, a guy that we saw higher on the leaderboard here, the CJ Cup, uh, was actually Kurt Kitayama. He started the, the year last year at 250th in the world and then finished the year at 40th in the world. 29 years old. Uh, he did win the 2014 and the 2015 Jackrabbit Invitational Championship. I don't know if you guys ever heard of that. It's a very small event, but it's, it's is a it big event. after or before the Butterball Championship? <laughs> it's Yeah, I don't know what time of year it is. But he's got 50-plus PGA Tour starts under his belt. I don't know, man. I think that this is a, you know, I, I could see him have another good year this year. I'd like to see him potentially contending for a captain's pick in the Ryder Cup. I think the kid's got game. He's a consistent golfer. He's a guy I could see putting in over a guy like Kevin Kisner maybe, just someone who's consistent puts the ball in the fairway, and can maybe take down some of these uh, European fellas. I'm not exactly sure what the uh, benchmark for a comeback player of the year is here, so I might be stretching the limitations. We're making it up. You're good. Because I'm going to pick a guy who actually won late in the year last year, but Tony Finau started off this season so, I like that pick a lot. so poorly. He, was, he, like, he wasn't making any cuts. Everyone was kind of saying, well, where's, where's Finau been? I mean, people were writing him off, and then – Come the th- I know these aren't the biggest tournaments, but to win back-to-back on the PGA Tour, the 3M and the Detroit um, event, I mean, he was the hottest player in golf by far. He was shooting every single round in the 60s. He was always in the top top five in every tournament for like a five-week stretch there. It was insane. Played himself into the President's Cup, realistically, because he probably wasn't going to be a captain's pick or anything like that before those couple wins and got hot. Yep. Yeah, when we were there at the President's Cup and even watching the coverage, I think he's really solidified himself as, like, one of the leaders of the U.S. team and U.S. golf in general. You know, a very, you know, glue guy, very high on the team and, and got everybody going and, you know, something to look forward to for the Ryder Cup, how how well he gels with his teammates and everything and, and leads them. So he beat Cam Smith at Liberty National in that playoff in, like, 2019 or 2020 and we kind of thought, like, okay, like, Tony's going to turn the Jets on here. He's going to kind of fulfill these, you know, these expectations that we had for him. And he didn't. He really fell off. You're right. For a six- to ten-month stretch there, he was nowhere to be found, missing cuts. And you're right. He came back. There was that month, month-and-a-half stretch where he had, like, pretty much every round was, like, under 68 or something like that. It was an unbelievable run he had. I love that pick. All right. Now, we'll be, we'll be, we'd be wrong not to say who would really fits the mold for comeback player of the year, you know. And also the courageous player of the year, you know, guy maybe wasn't going to ever walk again, you know, comes out, gets the people going. We get the big cat, Tiger Woods. You, you have to at least acknowledge the fact that he was able to come out, make the cut of the Masters, all that, that kind of stuff. He's got enough accolades. I don't think he's ever going to be listed as comeback player of the year, barring him, you know, coming out next year and winning like three majors somehow. Like, but you got to at least acknowledge, give the, give the man his props for going out there playing and, you know, doing as well as he did, given all that, you know, happened in the 
off season, off the course kind of stuff. You could probably say Tiger's been comeback player of the year like three or four times in his <laughs> career, right? So, yeah. right, he wins the 2019 Masters and he gets in an accident. Now he's back playing again, you know, not playing that well, but, you know, he could have a hell of a year this year and then he would really contend for comeback player of the year this year. So I think anytime and every time Tiger has a bad year, the year he comes back, he could just light the world on fire. Yeah, the expectations are always so high for him regardless. I don't think that anyone will ever give him that award, but... You know, you gotta gotta give them the props. the buzz surrounding the Masters. Like, you know, we're getting drone shots and helicopter coverage of him out there playing practice rounds. Like, nothing else mattered. It was what's Tiger doing? Is he playing a practice round? We're tracking his jet flying up to Augusta to make sure he's playing. It was, Literally, it was just insane. <laughs> like, Scotty Scheffler's number one player in the world. Like, insanely hot. Won a bunch of tournaments. No one cared. Everyone was there to see Tiger, and that's what we were concerned with. When my dad found out you could track the Jets, right, he was tracking Tiger's jet like everyone else, and he was also tracking Jets from Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> Go, <laughs> yeah. too. Don't tell Larry that you can also track Tiger's yacht because <laughs> he'll never leave the computer. Yeah, I think for mine, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to approach it a little bit differently. I'm going to say the comeback story of the year, and I'm going to say live golf. That thing was dead six feet under starting Good the year. God. Oh, my God. It, it's <laughs> controversial. Yeah, sure. But they were dead, and you know, as soon as Phil came out and called them scary motherfuckers and everything else, it's like this thing doesn't even have a chance to get off the ground. And... Yeah, you can argue the the YouTube views aren't really there, and you know what's the sustainability of this going forward. But they have definitely turned professional golf on its head, and we see that with what the PGA Tour has had to do in response. They've shaken it up from you know twelve months ago, where it was like this is never going to happen, this isn't realistic. So a fascinating story that went from you know zero to having a huge impact. Yeah, that's a great point, though, Doug, because, I mean, we look at the Players' Championship, everyone was kind of looking at it as, like, the PGA Tour's victory lap. Like, it seemed like Liv was dead in the water, nothing happened, and now the guy that won that event is over there and their biggest star. Like, it's that's a good point. And, it's and quite we laughed, the comeback. Like, early on, it's like, oh, Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson, like a bunch of washed-up has-beens and nobodies beyond that, and they've pulled some pretty big names to them, and it's it's pretty impressive what they've been able to do. I think this week coming up is a big uh, barometer for what you're saying here because I do think you're right. I mean, they nobody thought anything of them. I mean, I think you're right. Look, I want to see that balance sheet right now because it is oof, it is in the red for sure. But I have think you seen is, the price of gas? It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But uh, I think this event this week is going to be a big one. I mean, it, it contends with really no real PGA Tour event. I think a lot of us will begin tuning in. I think that they have a real chance to embrace what was so unique about them and the team aspect and the team format, which. I think we really struggled with even getting on board with early in the season. It started to get a little bit more consistent toward the end of the season, even though there were some teams that were just god-awful. And then you had guys like Pat Perez just be playing terribly on a team that was so successful. But it'll be really fun to watch this weekend to see maybe how some of these teams that hadn't had much success early on, they just get hot for a weekend. Uh, the team aspect, I think, is really intriguing. So I agree with you. I think I'll give Liv some credit. I think they kind of a little Undertaker vibes, right? Come back from the dead. <laughs> Do you think Liv's going to like go into like the relegation format because they have more guys than they've actually, you know, that will can play in the events based off their current format? That some of those guys are just going to be relegated and they're going to have like those extra side events that they're competing to get into. I don't know when their season starts in twenty three. I know that it's supposed to be a little more robust than it was this year. A few more events, but absolutely, like there are there are names. I mean, these guys get paid whether they're playing or not. They're on the Asian tour, or whatever. They're getting paid, but some of these guys that went over that we were maybe not in agreement with, like some of these NCAA players and stuff like that, like Chikara, will probably he'll probably cement his place in 
can live with his win and his recent play. But some of these younger kids, like the kid from ASU, what was his name? I don't know. Pyatt's one, though. Like James uh, Pyatt's yeah, over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think some of these kids, yeah, some of these kids are definitely not going to get into every tournament next year, and they're going to have more and more people. You're right. They're going to have quite the carousel of players that can put out every week. I don't know if from tournament to tournament they're going to be changing it up much, but I think that they'll probably have a different lineup next year. I think, but I think you made the point that they're paying these guys regardless. And I think just in my mind, the amount of money that they're paying them to play golf on their tour, they're going to want them on their YouTube channel big time. I don't so, know. Yeah. They, they could be doing some kind of, I don't know. Yeah. It's going to be interesting how they, how they like use imagine, them. I don't know the fireballs get relegated and then Sergio Garcia is making all this money, but he's playing in the lower division. We're going to see the live golf teams playing good, good on YouTube and shit like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, they'll probably redraft some teams. Maybe not all of them. Maybe captains will remain similar, but I do think they'll have a little bit of a mix-up. They definitely have more than 48 players right they now. They do, yeah. Yeah, they and they're players. probably only going to get more, so there's got to be some kind of system. Maybe they, whatever little mini-tour they picked up in South Africa or something like yeah. that, Zimbabwe. The Minotaur. I mean, yeah, the Minotaur. Maybe, maybe they'll send them down there or something Yeah, like I mean, that. like, but because, what, they had 48 golfers for the first event. We've seen 15 more guys of yeah. at least notable, somewhat notable names go yeah, over. I mean, so. the, the foundation of what they're doing is really interesting. You know, I thought I, it was interesting. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. They have a pretty decent product. Like, the, the idea is there of this team golf, and they can do so many different things with it, but it, it's just hard to get too excited because they're so focused on putting down the PGA Tour, and there's just so much pettiness that it's just like, well, I don't want to watch this because they're just, you know, children bickering back and forth. And so it's it's hard to get too excited about it, but the bones are there for something pretty interesting and pretty decent to watch. I do think that that team aspect was something I was pretty excited about to watch, and it just was so poorly covered this year. Like, sometimes a guy would make a birdie and they would show the team leaderboards, but I would hope maybe next year they just have some events that are just pure team events, and I think that would be fun to watch because right now it's a little hard to discern, you know, how the individual competition compares to the team competition. All right, let's look forward to this year. Who do you guys think will be the comeback player of the year in 2023? I'll start us off with uh, America's favorite caddy. Uh, we saw how great he was playing Happy. this year, but it, I really hope he actually gets back on the course in 2023. But Will Zalatoris, uh, we just saw how well he played, uh, finishing very strong in most of the majors, and then unfortunately seeing withdrawal with a back injury. Um, I know that for a while they were talking about maybe his career might be in jeopardy if he's going to be able to come back, um, which is exactly what we're looking for. He, he is the type of player who was near the top, has a – potentially career-ending injury and could come back and be a top-ten golfer again. He's a great pick for, like, 2025 when he can walk and yeah, move exactly. and swing again. Well, I, don't, I mean, in the, in the literal sense of it, that's the best pick you can have, right? A guy who literally has to overcome an injury, not just bad play, right? Zalatoris comes back, right? Not that he played bad this year, and even though he missed the last month or two, his stats and and quality of play was still amazing this year. So it's not like his his uh, world ranking is maybe going to get too much higher, but you're right. In the sense of a comeback, if he's able to play golf this year and it's healthy, he will win majors. I know he will. Now, to, to follow up here, I'm, I'm going to just kind of move forward. I, we talked about a bit last week. I'm going to look at Ricky Fowler. Just, you know, it kind of feels like maybe he's starting to get his, his head a little bit kind of level. Like he had a decent week this, this week at the CJ Cup. Again, it's a no-cut event, but, you know, he's played, you know, pretty solid previous in the last couple of events before that. Just looking, I think that's one that the PGA Tour would you know, love to, you know, acknowledge and see. 
so I think maybe he's kind of fin- finally found that level footing and is you know going to get back to the old Ricky that was at least relevant in majors. And I think realistically, a, like a top five and you know a win somewhere, you know, a top five in a major and a win on, in any capacity would kind of put him right up there with you know in that conversation. That would be good for golf, wouldn't it, man? I mean, anybody that we can list off here, if it's not. I don't know, Tiger. I can't really see anyone having a bigger impact if they were to play well this year than Ricky Fowler. And like we talked about last week, his swing, I think, looks so much better, right? Seeing an old-looking Ricky, he can get that little fire going. I I would love to have Ricky back. Does he have a tour card right now? Or does he get in all these events as a sponsor exemption? I think he gets in the tour card because he made the FedEx Cup playoffs. So I think he has oh, full okay. status for. I, I wasn't the sure year. what his. I think once you, if like. you're in top 125, I think you're good gotcha. for the year. And he was 125. He right? was like 124 or something. Yeah, like that, yeah. outrageous. And that would have been a lot different if these live guys stuck around. Yeah, he would not have. He would have to play a lot better. Yeah. yeah. All right, I'll go with mine. I this is a name we've we've talked about. One of Dub's favorite golfers, Gary Garrick Higo. Right? Guy won the Palmetto Championship in 2021 after having a whirlwind of a year on the European Tour, winning like three or four events in a two-month stretch. The guy fell to 140th at the end of this last year. He started the year at 60, fell to 140, only had a couple top 10s. The kid's game really translates to all of these major courses and the courses that really pose like such a tough test on the tour. Great putter, great driver of the golf ball. I think it's the one piece that uh, I read an article one time that said the most important thing and why tour pros are so much better than maybe the guys who are outside the top 200 is iron play and ball striking. And that's kind of where Garrett Kigo's game maybe gets a little a little wayward. So if, if Garrett can get the irons going, I think the rest of his game really translate. I'd love to see him come back and, and have a good year. Yeah, and I think it's just, you know, he's one of those guys who kind of made a living on the European tour and and kind of came out to a really hot start and then wins the palmetto and then all of a sudden it's like shit i gotta start playing the pga tour right so it takes some time you know to develop and and kind of understand how to play it's it's a completely different game of golf when you're playing on the pga tour against the world's top players versus you know whatever courses you're playing over in you know spain and and wherever else he was winning over there so you know definitely give him a couple years to adjust and you know hopefully he turns that corner this year yeah, not yeah, right. The course like the grass, like the grass is just completely different at the courses he's playing. So I think Garrett could go give him a year under his belt, like he's had now, like a year and a half on the PGA Tour, pretty much. I think he can come out and have quite a year this year. I'm going to roll the dice on another big name that hasn't had a lot of success lately. This is the guy who gave me my first high five on at a PGA event. Homer pick, great guy. Jason Day. Love it. He has he's had some injury problems the past couple years. Um, he battled a lot last year. I think he lost his mom, I think, halfway through the season. But let's look back to the 2015 PGA season. I know that was seven, eight years ago. He won five times, including the PGA Championship, the BMW Championship. He's won at some great courses that are always going to be in the meat of the PGA Tour season. You're talking about Sawgrass. He's a former Players Champion. He's won at Bay Hill, the Arnold Palmer. He's won at Farmers Insurance a few times. He loves that course out in Torrey Pines. I mean, if Jason Day gets at least one win this year and he competes in some majors, I think the oh, is it the U.S. Open or the PGA Championship that's at Oak Hill Country Club this year? The PGA. Yeah, he was uh, t- he was top ten last time it was held there. So. Um, I'm looking for Jason Day to have a really good year this year, and I would love to see him succeed again. Yeah, I mean, that's a great pick. I literally was just pulling him up in case nobody said him as another one to add because it's it's a guy that 
certainly has all the ability, but he's then had all sorts of medical, you know, vertigo. He's like collapsing on the course kind of thing. He can, you know, couldn't even like finish around stuff like that. So, and he's had like his story, like behind the scenes, you know, in terms of how he got into golf and all the trouble. He was an alcoholic at like 12. Yeah. Yeah. It's like ridiculous stuff. So it's another guy. It's great to see you, you like the guy. It's great to see him succeed. And you know, it's a shame we fell off. We'd love to see him come back. Well, I think one piece of Jason day's game that, can transcend the game and what we've recently seen from Cam Smith, even though Cam Smith's a great iron player, it's his wedges and putting that I think really set him apart from the rest of the field. And I think Jason day for me, right in the modern game was the guy who kind of, he earmarked that he was the best wedge player and putter on tour for three to five years in the early 2010s. If he can get that kind of stuff going, it's hard. I mean, he's got back issues. It's so odd to see, like, he's in such amazing shape, but he just does one weird thing and all of a sudden throws his back out, can compete for a month. So if he can stay healthy, Jason Day has a type of game that, especially at majors, right, when you're coming down the stretch and you're missing fairways and have to pitch out and need to get up and down, the reason why we've seen Cam Smith have so much success, that's what Jason Day brings to the table. And he played well this past week, I believe. Yeah, I think he had a T11. Yeah, T11, and he played in, like, the Fortinet a couple weeks ago as well and was tied for eighth, so a couple high finishes there to start the season. There's a really good YouTube. uh, I think it's, like, the PGA Memes guy went to Jason Day's house. I think he lives in, like, Ohio or something like that Mm -hmm. and did a full tour of his house and his practice facility. That's a (laughs) must-watch. His practice facility has, like, a bay that pretty much comes right out of his house that has a garage door that he can just hit right, and he's got, like, three or four different greens out on his range he can hit to. Does he live on, like, Jack's course or whatever or, like, right around the corner? I think you're probably right, yeah. All right, I'm going to continue to be difficult and go off script here a little bit. Live uh, golf. <laughs> Dustin Johnson. Uh, no. <laughs> After their beat down at the President's Cup, I'm going to say international men's golf, specifically the Asian golf community. They got <laughs> they got beat down so significantly. They had no chance. That Hideki Matsuyama had such a great 2021, really didn't do much in 2022. They, they weren't really trending in the right direction. And then kind of the, the buzz they created at the President's Cup really kind of vaulted them forward. We've seen KH Lee had a third place this past week. Tom Kim playing extremely well still. There's so much young talent over there. I think we're really going to see them kind of rise up over the next couple of years and really start competing with, with the U.S. team in general and in, in majors and everything. And the one that jumps out there that you actually didn't say is Siwoo Kim. The guy that's been around for a long time. Well, I guess he might have to go into military service, so maybe we just asterisk that one. I'm not sure. but Talk about a comeback story. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we saw, we've saw we seen a lot of really good golfers. Sung Moon Bay, Ryu Ishikawa, guys that had to serve their time and didn't didn't come back very well. But I think that Siwoo has a type of game that it's very hot and cold, but you can see how when, when he gets dialed and he gets that fire in his eye, like everything just goes exactly where he wants it to. So I'd love to see – I think Siwoo can contend at majors too. He's a pretty strong mental golfer as well like when the things aren't going well things just aren't going well like Siwoo's swing I would say probably has a little bit to do with that a little inside a little draw biased like when he has days where he's just not catching numbers and not catching lies he's probably not going to shoot the best scores but get him out there get him a day where he catches the right numbers he's pretty hard to beat I am really excited for this international contingency and especially like the South Korean golfers these guys look like they they really can contend at a President's Cup and make this thing really fun because it has not been too fun over the past two decades Tyler I'm surprised you're not a big Siwoo fan because he is like I feel like he's the best player on tour hitting driver off the deck <laughs> he is really good at it you know I don't, I don't think I actually knew that but now that you say that I think it goes now Cam Young Siwoo <laughs> 
I don't think Tyler thinks anyone can hit driver off the deck better than he can. If we're Is Siwoo sponsored by the Korean Baseball League? Because then it'd be a <laughs> slam dunk there. There's a really good clip. That's where too many sports references. <laughs> I think Siwoo missed. A home run was the right reference there, Siwoo though. missed a fairway into another fairway and then had to hit driver off the deck under a tree from like 250 out and hit it on the green. It's an amazing clip. He is really good at hitting driver off That's the deck. That's really hard. I tried it in PGA Tour the other day, and it, it didn't work. Can I throw some other names out to get some reactions from you guys? Because I was really looking into this today. I had some good ideas. Here's one. Harris English. We were shitting on him all year last year because we were like, oh, the only player in the top 20 not playing this week is Harris English again. <laughs> but, like, if he, he I think he already played well this past week. He was a former uh, Ryder Cup on the USA team. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes out and has a big year again. Doesn't make the President's Cup team, right? That was a pretty big deal. I know he's been battling some injuries, but... Harris English isn't English? <laughs> he's American. <laughs> what? He does speak English. <laughs> But a guy that, right, he's got the kind of game, like when we saw him in that playoff with Kramer Hickok at, I can't remember the darn tournament, but uh, like Harris has Travelers. a lot of Travelers, I think. Mm -hmm. Harris has a lot of game, and he hits the ball far. And he's been out here for so long that, like, when you're starting to think about these players that could have comeback seasons like Jason Day, right, he's seen a lot of these courses like 10 times. He's been around so long, so could easily get a couple wins under his belt. How about Ken's guy, Daniel Flippin' Burgers? He had oh, some injury problems last year. He we haven't of, seen him since, like, the players. He right? kind of fell off after Ken's other boy, Vic, kind of buried him for cheating <laughs> that one time. But um, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to see him come back to success again this year. If there's one thing I know, it's that the sand play doesn't go, and he was leading the league in sand saves. So he's, he's definitely going to come back. Of course, this week, right, at Congaree that had a ton of bunkers, greenside and fairway. I mean, he would have been – this would have been a course that he could have got around and scrambled really well, I agree. And then pending a move to live, how about Mito Pereira falling apart at PGA last year? Um, it'd be cool to come back, see him come back, and specifically if he comes back and wins a major next year after the collapse last year, that'd be good to see. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to follow the Mito thing because he was definitely heavily rumored for live golf and everything like that. And, you know, they're obviously about wrapping up their season. It wouldn't make sense for him to have gone, but he has now already started playing in a couple events on the PGA Tour this year, whether that's around his game of shape or and he's still playing to jump, that's going to be a good story to follow. I hope he stays because that'd be great for the Chilean golf as a whole. So, you know, it'll be, it'll be a good one to follow. When you think about the jump that Joaquin made in his like second and third years, I mean, Joaquin became a world class player, and both of them are from a similar upbringing in golf schools and then come to, you know, come to the United States, play college golf. I think Mito has a lot of variety to his game, right? He plays a little bit like Justin Thomas where he can kind of work the ball low, high, left, and right. He's going to be a guy that is going to contend at some of the harder courses. Like Joaquin winning at Riviera, I could see a guy like Mito contending at some of these courses that don't get the notoriety that they deserve because of how difficult they are. Yeah, I have another one here, a high-profile guy, Victor Hovland. He was coming off 2021 as looking to be the next budding superstar and probably a very underwhelming 2022 he contended at the uh the open championship kind of came up short on sunday you know his short game really holds him back but he's been working on that a ton and you know he's leading up he needs to be one of the dominant forces of this Ryder cup team if they're going to be able to contend so i look for him to kind of turn things around this year and and kind of fulfill that that prophecy of being a, a superstar norwegian yeah, didn't he start off his year last year with some of the, you know these lesser known tournaments and rack up like two or three wins early in the yeah, season and a lot then, like then overseas do, and, you know nothing like in yeah. like the mainstream pj tour schedule like after you know a lot of high expectations basically it's a lot of ken's guys we're looking at between 
you know, flipping burgers, Vic Hovland, you know, Ken's, Ken's guys are in the dog hole. Comeback oh, player of the year, Ken's picks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ken, comeback player of the year. Yeah, 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 the goes, yeah we're, we're hoping he made it back from Turkey. I don't know if anyone talked to him yet. I'm not sure it's that apparent how bad Vic's short game really is. I mean, you watch him and he hits some questionable chips, but Vic's top 30 in pretty much every major strokes gained category, and he's 191st in strokes gained around the green. He's 34th total and 194th around the green, so it, that is holding him back so much. I think it's, for Vic, he's always fairly consistent. His ball striking is always going to get him tons of cuts, but he's not going to be able to win until he really gets that short game going. Even his putting has pretty has improved a lot. He's just, you know, you're a, a PGA Tour pro at a hard course is probably going to hit somewhere between maybe like 13 greens around probably on average. That's five times he's got to get up and down. He's losing a stroke every round to the field just in short game. It's just... He's got to work on that. I, I enjoy the commentators when they're covering him because normally they're like, oh, these guys are just so good. This is going to be so simple. And they're just like, yeah, he's got no chance to get this <laughs> ball up and down. It's it's Victor Hovland. Look at his short game. It's, it's just funny how, how much they rag on it. And it might be like a course management thing for Victor because – Maybe strokes gained around the green isn't the most accurate statistic if you're like Rory maybe or JT where you're just so aggressive that you're going after every short side pin. So like the strokes gained statistic says he's in the rough five yards off the green. He should get this up and down 93% of the time or something like that. I think Vic puts himself in some incredibly precarious spots that make him look worse than he even is, which is already bad because he's having to play flop shots and bump and runs up huge slips, and that's just not his forte. So maybe Vic takes a different outlook on this year. The holes he can make birdie and be aggressive when he tries to, and then maybe he tries to play a little bit more safe when he knows his short game could really hurt him. All right, that'll wrap it up today. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Make sure you head over to Instagram and follow us at Big Players Only Pod. Drop a comment on our posts. What do you guys think that a comeback player of the year in 2023 will be? Talk to you next time.